feel so great until I saw the city. Welcome back to Straight from the Source. This is Michael Russo. Thanks as always for tuning in. My guest today is me. Uh, this is going to be an abbreviated podcast, um, a last second podcast uh, Q&A that I'm going to be doing. Uh, it's going to be abbreviated for a couple reasons. Uh, one, you don't want to hear me talk for an hour, hour and a half. Uh, I don't want to hear me talk for an hour, an hour and a half. We'll give each other headaches. Um, but the other uh, reason, and um, uh, just for full disclosure, just letting you know what I'm dealing with, because I have a feeling this is going to be affecting me the rest of the hockey season. Uh, but uh, I've diagnosed with a couple, two or three herniated discs. So it's been uh, causing me a ton of discomfort the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I uh, didn't go to Winnipeg because I got a couple of spinal injections and uh, going to meet with the spine surgeon today. And the only reason why I'm really letting you know beyond the uh, pain that I'm in and you'd actually get a kick of what I look like right now because I ice packed all around me. Um, I think you can hear it in my, in my voice how much pain I'm in. Um, but uh, if if I need back surgery, it's probably not going to be able to wait till after the season. Uh, the doctors so far seem to uh, think that this is advanced enough that I might have to do it uh, immediately to not risk permanent nerve damage and things like that. So, a uh, lot of a uh, lot of full disclosures there, but just to let you know if all of a sudden you see me uh, not writing as much lately or uh, in a mood on Twitter, uh, there's your reason. Um, my guest today was supposed to be George Peros, uh, the uh, senior vice president of exi- of uh, Department of Player Safety. Uh, he texted me last night, uh, understandably, uh, to reschedule this podcast because he suddenly had a busy day on his hands. Uh, not just because of what you know by now is Marcus Foligno and kneeing Adam Lowry um, after the fight that they got into yesterday, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a couple seconds, um, but also Brad Marchand uh, just uh, facing his eighth suspension, offered an in-person hearing for losing his uh, his head again at the end of that last night's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins where he goes after Tristan Jerry, swings his stick and uh, punches him, knocks him down and then goes back at him and swings his stick in his face and and he seemed to be on edge all game at one point. I mean, sometimes, you know, you laugh at some of his antics like when, you know, he, he uh, unsportsmanlike uh, doesn't let Crosby go to the bench to get a new stick. I mean, sometimes you laugh at that, but you do wonder why the referees don't take care of it. Um, but even stopping Tristan Jerry earlier in the game from sharing a puck with uh, fans in Boston, um, you know, at first I laughed at it because it was just like, you know, it was so suave the way that he like lifted the puck off his stick and then just caught it and skated away. It just kind of made you laugh and it was typical Brad Marchand. And then obviously the way the game unfolded, you realize the guy was playing on an edge all game and, you know, he's just one of those players. I He could be the best player in the league if he would just stop with the BS, but he acts like a child all the time on the ice, and he's going to get uh, in a lot of trouble uh, again today from the Department of Player Safety. In-person hearing means that the uh, Department of Player Safety has the option of giving the player five or more games, so we'll see if it goes that route. Um, Marcus Flino has a phone hearing at some point either today or tomorrow. Um, it, it doesn't need to be done immediately because the Wild don't play again in, until Saturday uh, at home against the Carolina Hurricanes. But good chance that Marcus is going to at least be suspended for that game, maybe maybe longer. Now, um, in these phone hearings, you can make your case and get out of a suspension. It's happened before. Dustin Bufflin did it once. Um, 
uh, he, he made his case and said some things that when the Department of Player Safety went back on video again and looked at it, he they realized that they weren't seeing things uh, the way that they thought they were and that Dustin made the proper case and was right in what his assertion was. And so he got out of the suspension. So it has happened before, but this one was pretty cut and dry. Um, uh, clearly, Marcus was playing on edge all game, gets into a second fight with Adam Lowry, and then while on the ice, um, did something that Marcus, uh, it's very uncharacteristic of Marcus Foligno. Um, this is somebody that lives by the code that it, he loathes players that that punch on the ice um, after a guy goes down. And this one looks like he was wrestling with him and that he lifted his knee up and landed it on Adam Lowry's head um, without his helmet on. So extremely dangerous and just lost his way there. And it really was one of the first times I've ever seen Marcus Foligno really put himself in, in front of the team. Just a bad, bad moment to lose your cool. You're trying to rally back from a one nothing deficit with 8.54 to go. Um, and you get into a second fight in the game. So at a minimum, you're taking your, you're taking yourself off the ice in a potential comeback situation for five minutes, but then you put your team down a man uh, because of an undisciplined penalty. So, um, you know, not a good play by Marcus Foligno, and now he's going to pay the piper, and the team's going to pay the piper because, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, it looks like at a minimum he's not going to play Saturday night against the uh, Carolina Hurricanes potentially uh, the next game after that. We'll see if he's in next week's game uh, rematch in Winnipeg. Uh, that would be the only reason why I would think that maybe they give him a three-game suspension is to keep him out of that game. Um, but this would be, I believe, Marcus's first suspension, definitely first suspension in Minnesota. So um, usually that would warrant a one or two-game suspension, but we'll see what Department of Player Safety comes down to. And by the way, um, you know, just to show also that sometimes there really isn't bias in that group. I know for a fact there are people in that department that absolutely love Marcus Foligno and Marcus Foligno's game. So, um, you know, he, he just, he broke a rule. He, uh, and uh, he's going to pay the price for that. So, uh, unfortunate situation. A situation that absolutely could have been alleviated earlier in the game with better officiating. I mean, it's just, it's that simple. I'm not going to make excuses for Marcus Foligno, but his wires got crossed earlier in the game when two referees, two veteran referees absolutely either ignored or somehow missed a clear interference penalty, a high hit that looked like um, through a body contact, um, you know, hit Marcus Foligno in the head. Um, regardless, at a minimum, it's a two-minute interference penalty. And then out of retaliation for that, Jordan Greenway goes after Dylan. So at a minimum, the, you know, there could have been offsetting minors there. But the Wild at first think they're getting a power play because of what they feel is an interference. And then I think what also drove Marcus Foligno nuts all game, and he has a long history with Adam Lowry. Like when Marcus said after last night's game that he doesn't like those guys, that is true. I've heard him talk about those guys before. It's a huge rivalry. They, he doesn't like the antics that they uh, constantly get away with. And so there's a long history with Adam Lowry and Marcus Foligno. But when Marcus was going back into the pile to go at when Greenway went after Brendan Dillon for the hit and Adam Lowry horse collared him and pulled him into a fight. I think that for the rest of the game set Marcus off. And, you know, again, there should have been a penalty on Adam Lowry for instigating that fight. And yet he doesn't get that. So not only do the wild feel like they got the short end of that whole stick, but then they wind up with a man disadvantage and the winning goal by Mark Shifley is scored on that play. So that entire sequence had a huge outcome for the game. Usually the Wild handle their composure pretty well, um, but last night they just didn't have it. And last night I think they didn't have it is, you know, I always say that when you're a tired hockey team, 
you lack smarts sometimes. It's not just your legs and things like that. And you could just tell that they were tired last night. Tired, obviously, not from playing a lot, but they but they were all on their all-star breaks. They all weren't working out. They were all, you know, uh, often, you know, having fun for three or four days. And then they come back for a 4 p.m. practice, very abnormal, have a 7 p.m. flight to Winnipeg, very abnormal, uh, land at, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock the night before the game, very abnormal. So, you know, just not their routines. And um, you saw it in practice, that 4 p.m. game. They were all sucking wind when, when uh, and it was a hard high-paced practice that uh, Dean probably tried to skate the heck out of them just to get get the booze out of their system and all that type of stuff. And um, they were they were sucking wind at the end. And, you know, that was a late practice to have such a, a hard, hard skating practice as they did. And I think it definitely affected them last night because you could just tell from the opening face-off, they weren't there to work. Uh, you know, it was very unwild like the the game last night um they didn't work they didn't battle to get to loose pucks they didn't battle to get to rebounds they they constantly tried to skate the puck in because in my opinion they didn't want to dump the puck because that would have required work to go get it so they were never getting pucks deep uh winnipeg did a masterful job of making it really hard on them to get through the neutral zone and they just kept on playing into the hands of, of the Jets. And it looked like the Wild caught themselves in the second period and started to play better. But then in the first 15 minutes of a third period that the Wild usually have huge pushes, they obviously didn't have it last night. They had two shots in the first 15 minutes. So um, the Wild, and then you saw it with the net empty again, refusing to dump pucks, turning pucks over, all that type of stuff. So obviously, uh, just not a good game. They'll have two, uh, they'll take Wednesday off. They'll have practice Thursday and Friday good hard practices and come back Saturday night. I'm sure we'll see a much, much better effort uh, than them. So that's that on the game. Um, you know, I, again, just don't think that it's anything that we have to overreact to. Uh, they've lost once since January 1st. They had a nine game unbeaten streak or actually point streak, I should say, because they did lose in a shootout in Colorado, but they had a six game win streak, um, a bunch of point streaks playing great hockey before the break. It won't be hard for them to reinvigorate that, but they've got to play smarter. Um, and I am sure that as a lot of teams look at that game tape last night and wonder how the Winnipeg Jets were the first team in a month, more than a month to beat them, they're going to start to look at that template and say, all right, maybe we got to play that third, that, that Eric's neckline physically and things like that. That's something that the, they're going to have to be control. They're, they're going to have to control their emotions better. The three of those guys, Eric's neck, uh, I thought tried to do that yesterday. He was taking punches to the face like no tomorrow, right in front of Brian Prekmar, and again, no calls. So, you know, to me, the referee's got to help in this situation as well. And and uh, But again, no excuses. Uh, Marcus lost his temper last night, and and he's going to pay the price today. And unfortunately, the team will as well, because uh, Marcus Foligno is the type of player that you want um, to have in the lineup on an everyday basis and uh, missed the two games before the break with the injury. And now he's going to miss some games probably after the break as well now because of the suspension that uh, seems to be forthcoming. Um, trying to think what else uh, to chat about uh, Olympics starting up Sam Henschkes and Jack McBain are two guys to absolutely watch. Um, the one big concern again, last night from the wild perspective is their lack of faceoff prowess. It's a problem. It's been a problem all year. They're near the bottom of the league in faceoff percentage. It's another reason why I do think the Wild need to go out and consider getting a center at the deadline, which I'm sure we're going to talk more about during the Q&A. Um, but, um, you know, losing 35 of 49 faceoffs, you just uh, you start without the puck every time you get every every stoppage. Uh, it's just not a good way to have success. So um, 
All right. So 58 minutes ago, I asked for Twitter questions and I got 82 of them so far. Um, so I'm going to try to go through as I see them. Um, first, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with the Q&A. All right, back here straight from the source, Michael Russo. Um, so we got the Q&A. I got to leave in about 15 minutes, uh, 20 minutes for this doctor's appointment with the spine surgeon. So this is going to be a quick one. I'm going to read them as I see them. Um, so um, Keith Landgreeb uh, asked, when Goligoski signed a one-year deal, it was soon that he'd signed an extension at a lower AAV after January 1. Seemed like an easy negotiation. Any sense of why it hasn't happened extended yet? or if perhaps he'll be the odd man out after the Merrill extension. I'm starting to think that way. Um, right now, it doesn't look like there has been talking. Um, originally, I thought that a $2.5 million contract on a one-year deal for Goligoski made sense. Now, when I do the math, I don't even think that the Wild would be willing to sign him to that. Just when you do the math and all the guys that they got to resign, I do wonder if they chose John Merrill um, at 1.2 as being a smarter decision uh, financially. And then you put Addison on the team. You know, uh, Goligoski is 36 years old. He's played some really good hockey this year, but then there are times that it looks like that game, like he was great in, in, against the Rangers. But then, you know, the Islander game is one of the worst games I've seen him play. So, he, you know, at 36, he does get tired. They got to control his minutes. And I do wonder if this just isn't priority number one right now for Bill Guerin. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I let's put it this way. I'd be shocked if, the wild were willing to give him two and a half right now. It would have to be less. And then if you're Goligoski, you know, are you going to take that, uh, you know, when you can potentially go get more money on the open market this summer. So we'll see, um, how that, uh, how that, um, you know, transpires here. How many people, Ryan Carp asked, how many people have you blocked on Twitter? Amazingly, not you yet, Ryan. Um, only one this morning, one absolute schmuck. Um, you can go back and read that little back and forth. Um, uh, Drew something, Drew money or something. Uh, adios. Um, I just have no tolerance for absolute jerks on Twitter. I just, it bothers me too much. I know it shouldn't, but you know, when, it, when tweets that piss me off last in my head for an hour or two, I'm too busy to, to deal with that. I don't want to deal with the stress. So I do. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure I have a thin skin for somebody that's a critic for a living. Um, there's no doubt about that, but I just, uh, you know, to me, if you follow me, um, you know, uh, know that, that you're dealing with somebody with an Italian temper and will, uh, have no zero tolerance for, uh, for, um, for being a jerk. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I blocked a lot of people. There's no doubt about it. Um, Sam Bergman, all right, we, we dropped, we waited for the lead of this, or we, uh, what's the, we buried the lead is the old, uh, sports writing term. You can tell I can't think today. Um, Sam Bergman asks, um, do you expect the Wild to go big at the trade deadline in an effort to steal the cup before the cap penalty gets egregious next season? Or does it seem like Garen's plan is to leverage his great prospect pool to offset necessary veteran losses and try to keep this thing rolling? Well, one well-crafted question. I couldn't have said it better than myself. And I think that the two parts of your question, the two clauses are exactly what Bill Garen is, is weighing. I think Bill has a plan. And the plan is to, you know, grow is to make this team as competitive as possible for long term success while also really building up the prospect pool. And if you saw Scott Wheeler's uh, road to 32, uh, you know, 32nd, uh, uh, you could say the worst prospect pool in the league to the best, uh, the Wild landed at number three. So third best in Scott Wheeler's opinion. Um, you know, with guys like Boldy and Rossi and Wallstead and Lambos and O'Rourke and Beckman and Addison. And I mean, they've just got 
tons and tons of prospects, tons of prospects that we don't even talk about. The the Jack McBains, the Sam Henchkisses, the um, you know, the Novaks, uh, you know, people like that. So they have a lot of prospects here. And because they have a lot of prospects, I am one of those people that think that this would be a year that would make sense for Bill Guerin to go out and be willing to give up a, um, you know, a first round pick or a um, second tier prospect. So not a Rossi, not a Wallstadt, um, you know, uh, but may- maybe anybody else's fair game to try to go out and get a Joe Pavelski or a Thomas Hurdle or a, a Closure, that this is the year to go out and get that rental. As Bill Guerin even said a couple years ago, our time will come is what he said. Um, but when I do digging right now, I don't get the impression that Bill Guerin feels that it's absolutely necessary to break up his prospect pool, and he definitely doesn't want to trade a first-round pick um, to go get one of these centers just for a, uh, you know, a month and a half, essentially, um, or a, a pure rental that they are un- unable to sign. Now, um, now, games like last night might change his mind. If that continues, if the Wild can't win a draw, if they um, looked like they lack center depth, um, you know, that might change his mind. There's a lot of, this is not your, like your typical February 9th where the trade deadline's in two weeks, right? This is, I mean, the trade deadline is still basically six weeks away. So a lot of stuff can happen between now and the trade deadline. So I understand that every February it's the narrative and I'm going to eat into it this week by writing about this subject, um, probably for Friday, as long as I can stomach sitting down, uh, for a long period of time, um, and handle the agony that comes with that. Um, but I'm telling you, like, like they can get hurt. They can have. They can start to struggle. You know that, as we know, chemistry for teams look incredible when you're winning, but when you're losing, suddenly there's not a lot of chemistry. They don't love each other anymore. So I mean, a lot can change between now and six weeks. So this is the way I feel right now. I think they'd like to add a depth forward to have as an extra body. I mean, they are going to get Bukestead back, um, but. If come March 21st, they continue to be rolling and look like they're one of the top teams in the in the central and they're healthy, I actually don't think that Bill Guerin's going to, like some of us might look at it and be like, all right, now they're really one center away to go win a cup. I don't think Bill Guerin is going to look at it that way. I think the price for a lot of these rentals are going to be astronomical and I don't think he wants to give up, uh, give up a, a, a first round pick. I really don't think he wants to give up his first round pick. Now, would he give up a second? No doubt about it, especially because I don't think the Wild are going to resign uh, are going to sign first round pick Philip Johansson. So the Wild will get a secondary, uh, a compensatory second round pick there. So I think he'd give up a second. I think there are some prospects he would give up. You know, the one area where the Wild are suddenly bustling with prospects are, are their defensive core. They have Jack Pert, they have Carson Lambos, they have Damon Hunt, they have Kalen Addison, they have Ryan O'Rourke. But the problem is they don't really know a pecking order yet of who's going to be one through five there of like the greats. And so I also don't want to think, I, I, I also don't think that he wants to just say, you know what, we're going to give up Carson Lambos because we think Damon Hunt has a chance to be better. And then two years from now, they're regretting giving up Carson Lambos when they could have given him Hunt or O'Rourke or Pert or somebody like that. So, um, you know, I think that it might be premature even from their standpoint to give up a defenseman, but we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, in my opinion, this, as good as this team has been, you're still going to have to play probably the St. Louis Blues in the first round, the way it looks right now. Now, a lot, again, a lot can change. Um, but if you look at points percentage, the Wild are technically the second best team in the Central right now. So right now, they would play St. Louis in the in the first round if you go by games in hand. I think they'd probably match up better with Nashville. Um, but St. Louis has had their numbers the last couple of years. 
So you have that issue. And then even if you get through St. Louis, you're probably going to have to go through Colorado and Vegas. Um, so, you know, to me, that's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, to me, if you can add a center like a Giroux, like a Pavelski, that can only help things to get to this, get this team to over the, over the hump. So we'll see. Um, a lot of words there, but I guess at this point, I would say it's premature. But right now, if I had to make a prediction, if they're healthy and they're rolling, I actually think that would tend to make Bill Guerin not go out and make that big move. Um, so we will see. Austin asks, uh, with how bad the face-off circle has been for the Wild, especially last night, do you foresee a trade for a top centerman more likely? Um, I mean, that's the one thing. Like, that, By the way, I haven't mentioned, like, Giroux does not play center for Philly. He takes draws, but he then went defensively, he goes back to a wing position. He hasn't played center for many years. Um, Pavelski is the guy. T- like, to me, if you can get Pavelski, like, I would do it. Uh, that, that's just me. Um, like, I, that guy... You know, I have all the time in the world for that guy. So, um, but I do think it's a big problem. I, I, I think their face-off, I don't understand why they're so bad in the face-off circle, especially a guy like Erickson Eck. And for a guy that gets as many minutes as him, he's just got to be better in the face-off circle. You know, he's got to do what Sidney Crosby did early in his career. The one year, it was like, Sidney Crosby was incredible at everything. The only thing he couldn't do was win a draw. And then he comes back next year and he's a 60% face-off guy. And it's, it's like all summer, he just worked on it and worked on it. And I think that's almost, what um you know eric sinek needs to do but they've just got to be better in the circle it just makes absolutely no sense to me um you know why they're uh why they're uh just not very good uh kyler sf kovanov is sokolov 2.0 i think that's probably a fair assessment um by the way i'm just doing the uh ways to uh where i got to go for my spine surgeon appointment and uh i definitely have to leave in 10 minutes so this uh, podcast is going to have to wrap up in 10 minutes um, outside of the obvious big names at center, JT Miller, Giroux, Pavelski, and Hurdle, this is Jared asking this, who are some of the other centers the Wild could have their eyes on at the trade deadline? Do you believe Bill Guerin would deem any prospect or asset untouchable at the trade deadline? Absolutely. I mean, they're not trading Wallstadt. They're not trading Rossi, I don't think, for any of those guys. Um, you know, you're not giving up Marco Rossi for a month and a half rental. That's absolutely nonsensical. Um, just makes zero sense whatsoever. Um, in terms of other centers, like to keep an eye on, it's going to either be a big name or probably just nobody. I mean, you know, I do think they're going to add one gritty winger or one gritty center to have some added depth um, to their lineup because really after the the NHL group, there's not a lot of, you know, you could call up the Mason Shaws and players like that, Kyle Rao, but I think they're going to want to get one other NHL body in here, especially after losing Ren Pitlick on waivers. Um but I mean, are you going to go trade for Chris Kearney? Tierney? I mean, you know, like, the, like, is he better than Freddie Goudreau? No. Um, you know, I mean, Andrew Cop is somebody that you know I actually have a lot of time for, but I don't know if that is anything they have. You're not trading for Paul Stasny, I don't think. Um, so there are centers out there, but I just don't see that. Like, like to me, there it's got to be a significant, significant upgrade for to put that player between. Uh, Boldy and Fiala for him to do it. Otherwise, just you're not take. Why are you doing it to take Connor Durer out of the lineup? And that's where I think Bill Guerin gets a little shy on what he wants to do because obviously Freddie Goudreau is going to be in the lineup. So you add a player to this roster, and you were saying that Connor Durer, Brandon Newham, or Nico Sturm, you're coming out of the lineup. It's that simple if they're healthy. And this is again assuming that Victor Rask and Nick Bukestad aren't playing. So I just don't think that he wants to disrupt chemistry to that degree. Um, 
Glenn Elias asks, uh, crazy how one bad game by the wild and the sky is falling on Twitter. Uh, that's Twitter for you. Min hockey fan three, three, six asks, what is the worst cheap shot you ever witnessed in person? The first one that came to mind happened, um, to former wild Cam Stewart when he was on the Florida Panthers. We were in Ottawa and Kevin Deneen uh, elbowed him in the face and he was out like a light before he even hit the ice. Um, that was the scariest moment. That's the first one that came uh, to my mind. But I've seen a lot of dirty hits and cheap shots. I mean, you know, back in the old days, a lot of this stuff was legal. I mean, you know, but you like if Scott Stevens laid any of the hits that he did that knocked out guys like, like um, you know, Paul Correa or or players like that in, the, in yesteryear, if he did that in today's game, he would be banned from the league for a while. So, um, you know, uh, you know, things that were legal back when I started covering the league are just not legal now for the better. Um, Drift Shade 1 asks, are the Sens legitimately interested in Fiala? They definitely used to be. Um, there was no doubt about that. The Wild could have, a couple years ago, traded Fiala to the Ottawa Senators and uh, and did not. So, would it shock me if uh, Pierre Dorian, who had interest in Fiala before, has interest in him again? Uh, not at all. Wouldn't shock me at all. Um Mitch asks, with Durr looking capable, do you think the Sturm is more likely to move on and the Wild are looking at a Duham goudreau durr fourth line next year with Rossi playing higher in the lineup? Also, any update on possible Goligoski? We talked about Goligoski. I, I just don't see the math on how Sturm is back now after the uh, Greenway extension. I, I've talked about that a lot the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, they just have a ton of guys that they've got to resign still. Um, you know, Sturm's one of them, Goligoski. Um, you know, other UFAs are Rask and Jordy Ben. Um, RFAs are Kevin Fiala and Capo Kakinen. Uh, those are potential priorities. Um, again, I don't see how they can resign Fiala, but if you traded a Dumbo, you could probably get it done. Um, but Sturm right now, I think, uh, would be cost prohibitive. And the other thing, if you're Nico Sturm, as much as he loves it here, you know, I don't know. You know, from his standpoint, you know, Ryan Hartman, when he signed his bargain deal, he saw a path to being a real quality uh, player on this team that played a lot of minutes, response, you know, uh, a lot of responsibilities given to him. You know, when you have Marco Rossi coming and Erickson Eck locked up and Hartman locked up, if you're Nico Sturm, you probably don't see a path out of the fourth line. And so I don't know if he's going to want to sign here, even at a basement deal. So um, I could see him uh, absolutely uh, moving on. Uh, Josh Winter asks, in your eyes, who's been the most underappreciated uh, player on the wild this year who probably isn't getting the recognition that they deserve? Um, I've been pleasantly surprised with Merrill and Kulikov after being bummed we couldn't re-sign Ian Cole, Josh Winter says. Um, I think that's pretty good. I think Mel uh, Merrill and, and Kulikov definitely have done their jobs. Um, you know, Fiala has been one of those guys that I think has definitely been underappreciated the last couple of months just because Zuccarello and Kaprizov were absolutely on fire and we're getting sort of the bigger goals in the games where jo where Fiala scored the big goals, if that makes any sense. It was it felt like every game that I wanted to write about how good Kevin Fiala was playing, next thing you know, Kirill Kaprizov came through with a huge play or Zuccarello came through with a huge play or Felino and Greenway came, huge with a, came through with a huge play. So it just feels like you know, uh, Kevin Fiala has been sort of in the back burner. So that's, that would be one person, um, that I would, I would, uh, definitely lean toward there. Uh, Matt Anderson, can you explain what needs to happen to get a compensatory draft pick if the wild don't resign, uh, don't sign Philip Johansson, uh, nothing right now. I believe that that has already been worked out. If they don't sign them, they are, uh, they are getting that pick is the way I understand it. 
Bo asks, what's your home setup environment for writing? Separate room, kitchen table, on the couch, bathtub? No, I always write in my office. Uh, the last couple of days I've been having to write in my kitchen island because uh, I can never get comfortable. It's been hard writing the last couple of weeks. I mean, I, it's not easy writing a story when every one, one or two minutes you got to get up and sort of stretch out. Uh, I cannot even convey to you the pain that I've been in, especially uh, my left leg here the last couple of weeks. So we'll see if we can get this uh, taken care of. Um, Next little bit. Um, Justin Caesar asks, have you ever been ever pre-written a story that you had to scrap or never published? Uh, definitely. Um, not that can come to my mind. Uh, Jeremy asks, what's your favorite hobby in the off season? Um, mostly travel. Um, uh, definitely a lot of travel. There's no doubt about it. Keith asks, uh, when you call out a player, especially a well-respected one on a game story for taking a quote selfish penalty, do you ever text him? or let him know you wrote it to avoid confrontation later? No, uh, I don't. Uh, rarely have. Um, but I get what you're asking in terms of Felino today. Um, I'm sure that he and I will talk. Um, knowing Marcus, he's a stand-up guy, and I think he probably knows that he goofed up. And the other thing about Marcus, I think he understands I have a job to do, um, a role to play. And um, you know, I got to report it like I saw it. And obviously last night, my job there is to report to the fans that Marcus Foligno is probably getting suspended for an undisciplined play. And so I got to write that. And um, last night was a game where, I mean, I, I would – I would say it to Marcus's face um, that, you know, I felt that, that, um, you know, the, 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 the outcome speaks for itself. Uh, you know, with 854 left and a one goal deficit, he took seven minutes worth of penalties. I mean, that's something to be criticized for. So, um, you know, it was not a good time to lose his cool. Um, I've never been in that situation on the ice, uh, you know, where your wires cross. So I, you know, I can't obviously relate to, uh, what would make you do that, but I just got to write what I see. And, and, um, you know, yeah, do I, do I like rip, ripping on Marcus Foligno? Absolutely not. No doubt about it. But, um, that's just unfortunately the job sometimes, and we haven't seen it a lot. So it probably, uh, came across a little harsher than, um, ever because one, you know, Marcus hasn't done a lot to be criticized for, but the team hasn't lost in five weeks. So, um, so it probably came off a little harsher than it probably normally would in the middle of a, you know, a, a season where they were, you know, you know, winning one, losing two, winning two, losing one, that type of, uh, that type of thing. Um, Matt Anderson, what needs to happen for Jura to get, be given a permanent Jersey number? He's got to probably make the team out of camp next year. That's usually the way it, um, works. Um, plotting pucks, where did the Wild stand now on Kakinen? Who's in net game one of the playoffs? Cam Talbot will be in net game one of the playoffs. So I'd be shocked if he's not. I mean, that's just the way that this organization is operated. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, they, they've both played well here. And, and um, you know, uh, but down the stretch, I think that you're they're going to go with the veteran. That's the way um, Dean has operated. Unless uh, you're completely floundering like Dubnik was before Alex Stalock started into the bubble, um, but that's just uh, that's just the opinion now. A lot can change here in the next two two and a half months. Nick Lane, wh why wasn't the late hit on Felino by Dylan called? It was just a missed call by the by the officials. I mean, you know, there's no there's no reason other than they they obviously didn't call it. Scott asks Sturm Addison a 2022 first round pick for J T Miller. Who says no? We give Rast to Arizona with a 2023 second if we have to make it work. Uh, the Wild would say no. I mean, that, that's just – I just don't get why uh, – I mean, they can't afford JT Miller next year unless you're trading him this summer. So I just don't – I don't like that trade at all. 
Um, I'm not saying that's not what they're going to take. And also from Vancouver's perspective, you know, it's basically Addison and a first round pick for JT Miller if Nico Sturm's not going to resign there. So um, my initial who says no on that, I, I think the Wilds say no. Um, I, I'd be shocked if they're trading their first round pick. I really am. I just don't see it happening, even though I think it's something that should be in play. And I just think t- trading a first, first, um, a top, top defenseman for in Kalen Addison that can replace Matt Dumba if you need him to for JT Miller, who's only got one year left on his deal that cannot be uh, re-signed long-term um, past next year because of all this dead money to give away a first round pick and your best defensive prospect is just not anything that makes sense. So, um, let's call it there. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of great questions here still to come, but, uh, I gotta, I gotta head to the doctor's appointment. Uh, sorry for the abbreviated, uh, podcast, uh, and, and being all over the map here. Um, but obviously, uh, expected, uh, George Paris to come on, but understand that he cannot, um, let's go to one more break and then we'll wrap up the show. All right. Thanks for, uh, tuning in for this very weird Q and a. Um, where I am iced up and in agony. Uh, very sorry if this was all over the map and I didn't get to your questions. Um, podcasts all th- over our platform. Hockey, hockey Hall of Famer Cami Granado is Craig Custance and Sean Gentile's guest this week on the Athletic Hockey Show USA. And Mike Legg, the original Michigan, joins Ian Mendez and Julian McKenzie on Monday's Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks for listening to Straight from the Source. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a rating or review. And right now, get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Talk to you next week, everybody.